You are listening to the Akron Abide Bible Study Podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Abide. If you could meet Jesus face to face and ask him one question about you, what would it be? One question about you. You see Jesus Christ in the flesh face to face. You get one question to ask about you. What would you ask him? Well, I think I know the answer to that question because it's the same thing that I would ask him. And in fact, it's something that I've already asked him before, and that's this. Lord, what would you have me to do? What is your will for my life? I honestly believe that if you met Jesus face to face, this would be the question that you would ask. And if it's not the question that you would ask him, I think that by the time this message is done, that will be the question that you ask. Lord, what would you have me to do? Because that question is what has marked the lives of every man and woman who has made a difference for Jesus Christ. Every great Christian throughout history has come to that point in their life where they go to God and they say, what is your will for my life? What would you have me to do? It was the same question Samuel asked when he said, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. In his own words, he was saying, Lord, what would you have me to do. It was the same thing that Isaiah meant when he said, here am I, Lord, send me. Lord, what would you have me to do? And it was the exact same question the Apostle Paul asked when he first met Jesus. Lord, what would you have me to do? And that brings us to our text today in Acts chapter number 9. You see, in Acts chapter 9, we see the story of Saul's conversion to Christianity. Saul turning into Paul. Now, you may not realize this, but before the Apostle Paul became the man that we know of today, the greatest Christian of all time, his name was actually Saul, and he was a persecutor of Christians. He was a Pharisee, and he was not a good dude. He wanted Christianity gone, and he wanted the people that identified with Jesus Christ done. He was not a good dude at all. But we learn in the ninth chapter of the book of Acts that while he was on his way to persecute Christians, Saul came face to face with Jesus Christ. And once he met Jesus, his life changed forever. He was transformed. He went from Saul to Paul. He went from critic to Christian. And he went from his will to God's will. And that's what we see right off the bat in verse 9, starting in verse number 3. Let's look at those verses now. Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 6. Notice what the Bible says there. The Bible says, And as Saul journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now, I don't know of a better chapter in all of the Bible that tells us how to know the will of God for our lives more than this chapter right here. You see, we find out that after the Apostle Paul's conversion to Christianity, he asked Jesus this question. The Apostle Paul said to Jesus, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now, this question is only eight words, 
But in those eight words, we find the power to change our life. You see, for born-again believers, this is the most important question that you will ever ask, that you will ever ask in your life. Lord, what would you have me to do? Because when this question is asked, answered, and acted upon, your life will change forever. Because it is through this question that we discover the will of God for our life. Lord, what would you have me to do? And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning, how to know the will of God. And there are three principles I want to look at to knowing God's will found here in Acts chapter 9. Two of those principles are found in the book, What Every Christian Ought to Know by Dr. Adrian Rogers. It's a great book. I highly recommend you check it out. But three principles to knowing the will of God found right here in Acts chapter number 9. And right off the bat, we find out in Acts chapter 9 that God's will is personal. That's principle number one. God's will is personal. You see, in order for us to determine God's will for our life, we need to have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And that's what we see in our text here. You see, Paul did not learn the will of God until he met Jesus personally. He didn't know the will of God for his life. The answer came when he met Jesus in a real way. Look at verses 3 and 4 of our text. The Bible says, And as Saul journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? So we find out in that text that Saul saw a light from heaven, and he heard a voice from Jesus. He met Jesus in a real way and was converted. Right? He accepted Christ as his Savior. He had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, which led to the discovery of God's will. Personal encounter led to the will of God. And can I tell you today that that same exact thing happens to us? It happens to us. It happens to us at conversion, when we recognize our need for Jesus and we call upon him. And it also happens to us throughout our Christian life. Throughout our Christian life, God comes to us in that same way. Now, we may not see a physical light shine from heaven or hear an audible voice from Jesus, but God shines and speaks to our hearts in that same way. Did you know that? God shines through us. Look at verse number three again. The Bible says, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Now, that word shine round about indicates a great flash of light. This was a great flash of light that was greater than the sun. And the Bible tells us that this light was so strong that it pierced the heart of Paul and changed his life forever. To use the words of Hank Williams, Paul saw the light. And once he saw the light, he was changed forever. He believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. He called upon Jesus. He saw the light, and everything changed for this man. He went from Saul to Paul. He went from darkness to light, and he went from his will to God's will. And just as that happened with the Apostle Paul, the same exact thing happens to us. You see, in order for us to discover God's will for our life, we must first have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. We must see the light, and we must move from darkness to light. But how do we do that? How does this happen? Well, just like the Apostle Paul, it takes believing. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, putting your faith and trust in him. 
Jesus said in John 12, 46, I am come as a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. You see, it takes believing, believing on Jesus Christ. And once you believe and once you call upon him, Jesus comes into your heart and you now have his light shining in and through you. You move from darkness to light. And this light that we have in our life leads us and guides us in his will. Right? It's kind of like this. We are in a very dark world today. If you want to turn the lights off, Jeff. We are in a very dark world today. We don't know right from wrong. We don't know where this world is headed. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what God has for us. But when we have Jesus Christ in our hearts, we've got his light shining through us guiding us along the way. We are in this very dark world today, man. But with the light of Jesus, man, we can take each step knowing that God is in control and God can work all things together for good. We move from darkness to light. Thank you, Jeff. We move from darkness to light, but it takes believing. It takes a personal encounter with Almighty God. You see, the Apostle Paul did not discover God's will until he saw the light. But once he saw the light, God shined. God shined through him, and he never was the same. So God shines through us. That's something that we learn in Acts chapter 9. But not only that, we also learn that God speaks to us. Right? Look at verse number 4 now. Look at what it goes on to say. The Bible says, And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? So right here in verse number four, Jesus Christ himself starts speaking directly to Saul. He starts speaking directly to him. Now, Jesus could have used many ways of communication to speak to Saul. He could have put words in the sky. He could have sent an angel to speak with him. Right? He's done that before. He could have used one of the disciples, but he didn't do any of that. No. Instead, Jesus appeared to the apostle Paul and spoke to him directly. And just as Jesus spoke to Paul, he again does the same exact thing with us. You see, a personal encounter with Jesus Christ leads to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And once you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, he comes into your hearts, he comes into your life, and you get to talk with him, you get to spend time with him, you get to fellowship with him. But not only that, not only do you get to talk to God, but God gets to talk to you. He talks with you. He guides you, and he reveals his will to you. God speaks to you. He speaks to you in an incredible way. Now, you might be wondering, how does God speak to me? How do I know when God is speaking to me? How do I know when God is revealing to me his will or revealing to me his plan? How am I going to know if God speaks to me? Well, I can assure you today that you'll know. You absolutely will. The Apostle Paul did. The Apostle Paul knew who he was talking to. Jesus said in verse 4, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And look at Saul's response in verse number 5. The Bible says, and Saul said, who art thou, Lord? Now, he didn't say, who are you, and leave it at that. He said, who art thou, Lord? He knew who he was talking to. He knew he was talking to Almighty God, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, the one who he was persecuting. And the same exact thing goes 
for us. We will know when God's speaking to us, man. Jesus said in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So just as a sheep knows the voice of their shepherd when the shepherd calls, we know when God is speaking to us. One of the greatest moments of my life was when my daughter was born. Um, it was the happiest moment of my life. I just loved being there and, and just being a part of that. And I remember leading up to that, um, the doctor encouraged me to talk with her while she was in my wife's tummy, while she was in the womb. And I remember I thought it was a little weird, but I was like, all right, I'll do it. I'll, I'll talk, talk to her. And so I did. Every single day, every single night, every chance I could get, I would be talking to my baby. I'd tell her how much I love her. I'd call her by name. Um, and I would just tell her about my day. Tell her about me and my, my wife and, and so on and so forth. And I would do that every single day leading up to the pregnancy. And then when my wife gave birth, she had a C-section. And so she was not able to hold the baby while they were patching her up. And when Era came out, she was screaming and crying. And we could not get her to calm down. They brought her over to this table. And the doctors are trying to talk with her and calm her down and uh, to no avail. So they called me over there. And I'll never forget it. I walked over there, I knelt down, and I started talking to my daughter. And I said, Era, Era Lou, Daddy loves you. And in that moment, my daughter stopped crying. She turned, she looked confused, and for about 10 seconds, she did not cry or nothing. She recognized my voice. She knew that her dad was speaking. And the same thing applies to us. Whenever I think of that story, I think of our father speaking to us. We will know. When our Father in heaven is speaking. But in order for us to truly know his voice and know his will, it takes spending time with the shepherd. Spending time with our Father. You see, the more we spend time with him, the easier it will be to make out his voice. The reason why my daughter knew that it was me, knew my voice, was because I talked with her. We spent time together. And for us to know God's will, we need to spend time with our shepherd. We need to spend time with our Father. You know, many times people say, why isn't God speaking to me? God's speaking to you, why isn't God speaking to me? But I want to tell you today that God is speaking to us. God is speaking to you today. He is knocking on your heart's door. He is calling out in every town, in every city, and in every home for people to discover his will and spend time with him. It takes a personal relationship to find your personal will. God's got a perfect plan for your life, but it takes a personal relationship to discover that. So principle number one is God's will is personal. But not only that, we also find out in principle number two, God's will is also promised. God's will is promised. Look at verse number six now. All right, look what it says. It says, And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise. And go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Right there in the back end of verse number 6, Jesus promises Paul to reveal to him his will. He says, you go into the city, and he will show you, I, someone will show you what you must do. He is promising to Paul that his will will be revealed. That's a promise given to the Apostle Paul. And just as God promised Paul... He also promises us. And I can use so many different verses to cover this. 
I can cherry pick verses that talk about God's plan for your life, and we're going to look at a couple today. But there are so many that talk about God's will and God's plan for your life. Psalm 37, 23, the Bible says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. God orders our steps. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, this is a great verse to memorize. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine hearts, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Hey, God's got a plan for you. God will direct you. God will guide you. God will lead you. That is a promise that we can cling to. God has promised to reveal his will to us. But again, I ask this question, how does he do that? How does he reveal his will to us? Well, there are many methods he uses. And honestly, I could do a whole series on the will of God and get into all those methods. But I believe it can be summarized in two different ways. And that is the word of God and the spirit of God. The two ways he reveals his will is through the Holy Spirit and God's word. And this is exactly what happened with the Apostle Paul. Right? God revealed his will to Paul through the word of God. Understand this now. At this time in our story in Acts chapter 9, Saul is completely loaded with God's word. He is filled with the word of God. He was a Pharisee, and he had the majority of the Old Testament memorized. He had just finished listening to one of the most powerful sermons ever preached in chapter 7. Stephen was preaching using the word of God, pointing to Jesus Christ, and using Old Testament scripture. The Apostle Paul was there when Stephen was preaching, and he was thinking about this. This is why the Bible says it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks, to kick against the goads of God's word, because he was under conviction. He was filled with the word of God. And now Saul is hearing the words from God Almighty himself. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Arise and go into the city. He is hearing the words of Jesus. And all of this began to come together as God's word was speaking to him. You see, the word of God leads to the will of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible is indispensable in finding God's will for our lives. It absolutely is. Psalm 119, 105, a great verse. The Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You see, most of the decisions that I need to make in life are given to me in the word of God. His will is revealed through his word. The Bible tells me how I should treat my spouse, how I should raise my children, how I should deal with my enemies, how I should handle my money, and the list goes on and on. Now, all of this falls into the category of God's will. The word of God leads to the will of God. And God's word will speak to your heart and lead you along the way in many different ways. Right? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, oftentimes when we think about that verse, though, we kind of get this um, analogy of a flashlight being shown and, and guiding us along the way. But if you look at this verse in its context, kind of an exegetical look at it and what a lamp was in that day, you see, it wasn't actually a flashlight or a lamp that you shined out to guide you all along the way, but it was a lamp that they placed on their foot as they were walking in darkness. If you want to turn the lights off again. They were in darkness, and they were walking along the way, but it wasn't something that they shined big. It was something that was attached to their feet. And so when they were walking, they couldn't see what was ahead of them. 
They could just see what was in front of them. Little by little, they could take those steps, and they could see. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. You see, God is not going to reveal his will to you right away. He's not going to tell us long-range plans for us. No, we're going to have to do it step by step, day by day, on what he wants us to do. And that's exactly what he did with Saul. Look at the back end of verse number 6 again. He says, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. He didn't say, you're going to be the greatest Christian of all time. He didn't say, you're going to go in this place and start this church, and this place and start this church. He didn't even say he was going to be an apostle. He just said, arise and go into the city, and I'll handle the rest. Right? That's what he does with us. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Step by step, day by day, he reveals to us his will, which is why it's important to be saturated with the word of God. So he reveals his will through God's word. But not only does he reveal his will through God's word, he also reveals his will through the Spirit of God, through the Holy Spirit. We see this truth further down in the chapter. Jump on down to verse 17 in our chapter. The Bible says, And Ananias, Ananias was there to help Saul and to help disciple him. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou might receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Spirit. You see, Saul also found the will of God by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit from that time on was leading this man. He was leading the Apostle Paul every step of the way. And again, the same truth goes for us once again. right? If we've accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, Jesus Christ is in our hearts, we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us, and the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us every single step of the way. John 16, 13, again, the Bible says, How be it when the Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. If you've got the Holy Spirit in your heart, he's going to guide you into all truth. If you are listening to him, right? If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you are a son of God, and you are led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... They are the sons of God. Again, I'm just cherry-picking verses here, but every single aspect of the Christian life can be followed with the will of God, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit guides us along the way. The Holy Spirit helps us and leads us and points us in paths of righteousness. Hey, God's got a perfect plan for your life. God's got a perfect will for your life. God has written a beautiful story with your name on it. And that story includes being best friends with Jesus, being filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory, being filled with peace, and leading people to Jesus Christ. He's got a perfect plan for your life. But it takes the Spirit of God, and it takes the Word of God. It is promised to you, but we need to listen. So principle number one, God's will is personal. Principle number two, God's will is promised. But then principle number three, God's will is provisional. Now, you may be listening here today and say, hey, I tried the God thing. I tried church. I've tried reading the word of God and listening to the Holy Spirit, but I've gotten nowhere. I still don't know God's plan for my life. I still don't know God's will for my life. Why is that, Michael? Well, God's will is provisional. There are some biblical provisions if we want to know God's will. You see, God is not just going to reveal to you his will all willy-nilly. 
No, he has to know that you're ready for it. He has to know that you're prepared. Right? There must be a willingness there. You've got to be willing to know and follow God's will. And again, this is what happened with the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 6, the Apostle Paul said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? After he believed on Jesus, that was the first thing he said, that important question. What is your will for my life? What would you have me do, Lord? Do you see the willingness there? He said, Lord, Master, King. He's saying, hey, I'm going to follow your orders. You are my Lord. You are my master. You are my king. Hey, Jesus Christ is our friend. He is the best friend of the entire world, that friend that sticketh closer than a brother. But he is also our father, and he is also our Lord. And because he's our father in heaven, God, and because he is our Lord, we must listen to him. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? There must be a willingness. And because the apostle Paul was willing and wanting to do the will of God, God revealed to him his will. And it takes a willingness on our part. If we're not willing, we're probably never going to know God's will for our life. We're going to go through life, coming to church, maybe reading every now and again, but never really doing anything great for God. It takes an openness, a willingness. Not only is there a willingness, though, we also find out, secondly, there must be a yieldedness. A willingness and a yieldedness. You see, it's not enough to simply know the will of God. It's great to know the will of God, but you must also yield to the will of God. You must follow God's will for your life. There are many people that discover God's will for their life. They realize they don't want to go through it, and they go their own way, and then they live miserable lives on what if. What if I had followed him? What if I had taken that step? What if I was following his will for my life? I don't want you to experience that. It takes a willingness, but also a yieldedness. You have to say, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to do your will. I'm willing to do your will. I surrender my will to your will. Romans 12, 1 and 2, it's our reasonable service. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Then it says this, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Hey, if we have a willingness, and if we have a yieldedness, if we are surrendering our will to his, we can experience God's perfect plan and perfect will for our life. But it takes yielding to God and what he is leading us to do. And we find out that is exactly what the Apostle Paul did. He yielded to God, look at verse number 6. Look at the back end of verse 6. Look what Jesus Christ said to Paul. So Paul said, hey, I'm willing. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What would you have me to do, Lord? I'm willing. I'm ready. Look at what Jesus says a verse later. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Paul had a job to do. He was right in the middle of, of, of doing a, a decree, persecuting Christian as a job. And he's saying, drop everything and follow me. He was to yield to God. Now, can you imagine how hard that had to have been for the Apostle Paul? If you look at his story, it had to have been pretty difficult. You see, at this time, Saul was climbing the ranks of the Jewish Sanhedrin. He was a big shot in the Jewish world at this time. 
He was trained by a well-known and respected Jewish rabbi. And it's believed that one day he would be a high priest. That's where his career was heading. He had everything going for him. But when he met Jesus and discovered his will, he found out God was asking him to give up all of that. Throw all of that away and follow him. That had to have been pretty hard. And Saul had a decision to make in that moment. Do I follow my will or do I follow God's will? And we see his decision in verse number 8. The Bible says, And Saul arose from the earth. And when his eyes were opened and he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. So Jesus said, Arise and go into the city. And Paul arose and went into the city. He surrendered. He did exactly what Jesus told him to do. He was yielding and surrendered to the will of God. And because of that, God fulfilled his perfect plan for Paul. A plan that was far greater than Paul could have ever imagined. That plan that is awesome, that plan that is wonderful, that plan that we're still talking about today, God fulfilled that plan for the Apostle Paul. You see, if the Apostle Paul followed his own will and his own plan, he had the potential to be the greatest of all Pharisees. And that's good for him, right? That's what he wanted. He had that potential. But because he followed God's will, he became the greatest Christian of all time. You see, God's will is always better than our will. Always better than our plan. He does exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Ephesians chapter 3. But it takes a willingness and a yieldedness. It takes surrender. And I'll close with this. Now, not many people know this about me. I maybe said it a couple times, but I never really wanted to be a pastor. At all. I did not want to be a pastor. I did not want to be a preacher. I felt the call when I was a teenager. I felt like God was leading in that direction. And dude, I ran from that call. I wanted nothing to do with it. I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. I wanted to work in radio. And that's what I did. I got a job when I was 16 years old, and I was really good at my job. I started climbing the ranks. I was media relations director for the Sioux City Explorers. I was on just about every single radio station around our area. I had a radio show, and I was a radio DJ for a time. I was the guy that came on after the songs, all energized and promoting things. Um, I'd be the guy that does this. Uh, today's Best Country, KSU 105.7. That's Little Big Town on this Sunday. Happy Father's Day to you guys. Thank you so much for making us part of your day today. Some songs on the way for you. That was me, right? The energy guy, right? I was the radio DJ. And I loved my job. I really did. But I remember as I was working there, I started to realize that God was leading in another direction. And I had to make that choice. Am I going to follow my will or am I going to follow God's will? And I remember I surrendered to him. And I said, Lord, whatever you have me to do, I'll do. Wherever you tell me to go, I'll go. I'm giving my life to you. I said it internally. I never told anybody. And I remember shortly after that, God made me make the decision out loud. I got offered a, a job, a promotion that was pretty awesome at that time at the radio station. And I remember I had to come to this point where I said, am I going to choose my will or am I going to choose God's will? Am I going to accept this position and not go into seminary or am I going to follow God? It came to that point, and I remember I ultimately turned it down, and my boss did not like it. 
He did not like it at all. They kind of were chewing me out, saying what a big mistake I was making. And I remember it was really discouraging. And I remember the next morning, my boss called me into his office, and he wanted to talk with me. And I was like, oh, here we go. He's going to try to get me to, to take this position. He's going to, uh, you know, chew me out some more. And he brought me into his office, and he said, I want to apologize for talking to you like that yesterday. He said, I was frustrated about what was going on because you have so much potential working in radio. Your potential is here working in radio, and I was really mad that we were going to lose you. But he's like, when I got home, I started realizing that your potential is here in radio, but following God and going to the ministry, your potential is here. And I say that this morning to say this. Your plan for your life, your will for your life, it may be good. It may get you here, but God wants to get you here. It takes following his will. Hey, God has a perfect plan for your life, far greater than you can ever imagine. But it takes coming to this point in your life where you say, Lord, what would you have me to do?